Welcome to Don't Eat Your Young, a podcast where we will hear stories from nurses just like you that will validate, educate, and inspire you. I'm your host, Beth Quass. Today we have Ebony G. She's been a nurse for several years, working in dialysis and now in case management. She also has her own podcast called The Kidney Connection and a business that are helping women get in more into podcasting. Please welcome Ebony G. Welcome, Ebony. How are you? Great, Beth. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited that you're on the podcast today. Why don't you tell us a little about yourself and your nursing journey? My nursing journey. Well, my name is Ebony G. I am founder of Living with a Purpose, which has gone through several transformations to what it currently is. But my nursing journey started uh, back in 2000, well, actually 1999. I became a certified nursing assistant. And I did that for two months. And I was like, yeah, this is not for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard work for sure. Yes. I was like, oh, my goodness. My hat goes off to even now, all of them. Like, I just, you know, it wasn't for me. So that's when papers were still around. I was looking in in the employment section of the papers. I saw an ad for, you know, dialysis tech. And I'm like, what is that? Went in for a share day and I was fascinated. So, you know, needless to say, I applied, I got the job and I started um, my healthcare career in dialysis. And I, like I said, I became a tech and I thought I wanted to become a nurse. That was the next step. And I worked with some nurses that were very unsavory. And I was like, I don't know if I want to be a part of this culture. You know, I don't know if this is what I want to turn into. So I briefly segued to financial economics. So I went, took some macroeconomics, you know, economic classes, accounting classes, did all of that. And I got pregnant with my son and I was thinking like, oh, if I go to finance, I'm going to have to start all over because up until that point, you know, all of my work history was healthcare. And I had 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 all my credits for um, nursing and everything. I was all ready to go. So I was like, you know what? After I had him, I said, I'm just going to, you know, take my entrance test, you know, see where the chips fall. And they fell where I got in. So (laughs) that's that started my nursing journey. So are you still working in nursing now? I am. I am a case manager with an insurance company. Uh, so I still work with um, patients, just not directly. I have not done direct care in six years now. Talk a little about being a case manager. I think that's kind of a unique job that a lot of nurses don't know about. Yeah, it was so funny when I was in my last direct care position in a dialysis unit. And I had no idea that these such positions even existed. You know, I was looking for something different and I saw, you know, the posting for it. So really it's just, I feel like it's what we do on the floor. I feel like we're a mix of um, nursing, behavioral health, and social work is really what it is. Like it's not because you don't only deal with, you know, maybe transition of care or, you know, wellness prevention, discharge follow-ups. You really deal with the whole, the whole person. So you deal with everything they have, their mental, their mental issues, their socioeconomic issues. You deal with all of it. I actually enjoy it because you still really get to connect 
that's why I love Dallas is so much. We saw our patients three days a week for hours at a time. And you really get to connect with people and get to know their families and, you know, you know a lot about them. So that's what I, I love about case management for me is you still get to that same kind of connection. You don't get to see them because I'm, I'm just telephonic, but you, you do still get those same um, touch points. So how did you find that transition moving from direct patient care to a different kind of care? It was tough for me at first, not because I had always been so direct. So, you know, you, you get that connection. People can see you. They can feel your intentions. They can see your intentions. So it was, it was a lot about learning how to build those types of relationships you know, telephonically and, and, and conveying those things without that person actually being able to see you and really, you know, see your, your emotion behind it and, you know, that, that you're really for them. And what made you decide to move away from direct patient care? Oh, to move away from direct, direct patient care was definitely a burnout situation. I was, I was exhausted from it. I had been working um, at that time altogether tech and nursing um, career on the, on a dialysis floor for 15 years when I moved on. And it was just getting, um, you know, just, just, I feel like this, like everything else, you know, with, you know, paperwork has increased, I don't know how much, you know, since even when we all first started, you know, and it was just like, uh, it was just uh, so much of doing more with so much less, <laughs> you know, it was, it was running. Um, the last unit I was in was one of the biggest units I worked in. It was 36 seats and it was three nurses. It was three of us. So, you know, that was good. We all broke down. Was at 12 patients a piece, but it was a, the, the last clinic that I worked in, it was a clinic where it, it was almost like the clinic where all, when the patients get put out of other clinics for like behavioral or attendance issues, that's where they went. And so it was just like a clinic full of uh, difficult patients, but yet you still had that same, you know, 12 to one ratio. And it was, it was just exhausting because, you know, they, they weren't really that good at, advocating for themselves and taking responsibility for their own care. So a lot of the times they came into the clinic and you were just solving all kinds of things, not only dialysis related issues, but, you know, just all kinds of issues, people missing weeks at a time. Then you have to just do stat blood work. I mean, it was just people. And then that clinic also did blood transfusions, which a lot of clinics, most, uh, you know, standalone freestanding clinics that don't do that anymore um, in the unit. Usually they have to go to the hospital, but we still, because we were in a hospital, <laughs> we actually still did blood transfusion. So that whole process of, you know, the type and cross and doing all of that in the midst of your assessments and changeovers. And it was just, I was exhausted. Like I was really, really, and then the you know, the, the care plan demands and the, you know, the documentation and the vaccinations and the education. It was, I was just like, I need a break. <laughs> it was too much. What else did you feel? How did you know you were burnt out or getting burnt out? How did you have physical symptoms beyond the exhaustion? I did. I actually, I had a panic attack on the floor. One day I was like, I was trying to do my assessments. It was in the morning. And every time I stood up, I would, I would just get dizzy. And finally I went to sit down. And every time, you know, I went in the break room. Every time I got up, I was just dizzy. I was fine. Heart rate, blood pressure was fine when I sat down. When I stood up, you know, heart rate went up and I didn't feel well. So my husband came and got me and took me to the, because although I worked at a hospital, I would not go to that hospital for care. <laughs> so I went to a hospital down the street 
And they were like, you know, well, you're fine. You know, so I just went home and rested. But when I followed up with my primary care, he told me, like, I think he had a panic attack. And I've never had one before. Um, and he was like, I think, you know, that's what you had. So I chose, I opted to uh, do like lifestyle changes, increased exercise, add meditation, things like that, yoga, um, and, instead of medication. But yeah, and, and then it just, it continued. And I, I knew it because my, wick was so short and I knew when I started wanting to say things to patients and staff that I would probably not say in a professional setting I knew it was time to go it was one day in particular where our clinical coordinator uh, one of one of one of our one of my patients he was on oxygen nasal cannula you know wheeling around oxygen and someone else in the waiting room couldn't breathe now I didn't know all of this until he came back to sit in the chair and he is like literally fussing and cussing at me because he doesn't have oxygens and I know he had oxygen so I'm like well where is yours and he was like well somebody in the hallway couldn't breathe I gave it to them and at that point I just went off and I was like and my clinical coordinator was like you want to go home I was like yes <laughs> like I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna front or you know go back and forth with you yes and I walked off the floor and I got in my car and I went home and that's when I knew like I have to find something else did your leaders or managers supervisors did they try to give you any resources or help you any in any way to prevent it from going farther and maybe let you stay I think we all were just so <laughs> spread thin that I don't think it was um, like at, you know, at that point, because there had been other days where she was like, you want me to stay, you know, before she was leaving. I'd be like, no, nah, you can go ahead. Like, you know, I'm all right. But it was just at that time, I just knew like, yeah, it's time to not only leave for the day, but it's time to it's time to move on because there's just the demand and expectations were so just out of this world to be, you know, it's some things and it's like, okay, you stretch us as nurses to, you know, do a little more, you know, keep going a little more, but it gets to that point where the rubber band breaks and it's like, this is too far. I hear this from so many people. And I, another guest said it, they keep piling more on nurses, but they don't take anything away. And we only have a finite amount of time in our shift. And of course, we're not supposed to stay over into overtime. Mm -hmm. We can't, something's got to give. And unfortunately, it's usually the actual patient care. I found that even now in case management, we're having that same issue where um, we become complaint resolution. We've become member services at some point with, you know, finding all of the, all of the providers we've become, you know, just a whole I feel like we're customer service sometimes, you know, we're not actually managing people for necessarily their illnesses or, you know, admissions and discharges and things we're managing other things. Oh, I can't get my, my medicine. Like that's a pharmacy issue, but somehow we always, you know, end up in the middle of those things. And it does the, what gets affected is care because we're so busy putting out all of those fires all day that we can't really get to the people who want to engage and want the help and want the education and need all of that. How many patients do you typically interact with during a day? Oh, during a day, it could, it could vary. I've made as many as 50 calls a day. And I've made as few and it, and it could go as few as I, as I want. But on some of those like super busy days where you're, you know, it might be a prior authorization situation and you're back and forth with, you know, providers and, and members and the, and the actual 
that part of the insurance company, that can be a heavy, a heavy call day because it's just so much, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Then it's a wait time. You know, you, you're waiting to hear back. You got to keep following up. So, yeah, but caseload is usually anywhere between 50. And uh, when I was on this team, my caseload has not really been over 100, but I used to carry about 200 patients when I was in the department before last. Wow. Would you say that this is jo- this job is less physically taxing? Because it certainly sounds mentally taxing, but compared to what you knew about floor nursing or dialysis nursing, how does this compare? Yes, exactly. I would say what you said, that was, I felt like that was physical. Dialysis was physical and mental because it was it was a lot of moving around and it was just a lot of mental. This um, is just it's a lot of it's probably like one and a half <laughs> of the mental of the floor because you know we're we're not you know we're sitting at a at a desk, but the I think because you are and you and you do telecommute, it's just a, the like expectation is more. Um, the expectation is more that, and it's it's like your your prior guest said, like I only have eight hours in a day, and and I would get to the point because I'm so type A, I would start at seven, um, just because you know I need that hour to maybe you know organize my queue, what alerts do I have, you know, and when I don't, but when I don't work over, um, I'm like just making it. I'm just, you know, just making it for the day. And sometimes I'm just pushing stuff. A lot of that times I'm pushing stuff off uh, because in addition to that, you have the, you know, the the actual, you know, health plan that's like, oh, well, now we have this initiative. Oh, we're going to do this pilot. Oh, we need to have this focus. We need to focus on this. So you need to call these people. You need to call these providers in addition, you know, to everything else. And so it's like it never, it, it never stops. It never stops. Yeah, no matter which avenue you go down. Um, and it, I think it's good for people to switch it up if they're feeling um, stuck in their current role or they're in a toxic work environment. But as nurses, no matter what the role is, I think it's it's busy and hard and can certainly be stressful. But if people are at the place like you got, um, it's time for a change. Don't keep doing the same thing and, and move all the way into burnout. Um, because I don't think we realize the the impact and the toll it takes on your body. Like I know I didn't. I always was, you know, a worker bee. I would come to work sick. You know, it was just like it wasn't that that not that big of a deal. I mean, I've been sent home a couple times because it's like you just need to go home. <laughs> like you can just tell, like you need to go home. But you know, I've not. I'm. I've never been work averse. You know, I'm not. You know, we. It's a lot of nurses who just don't want to do. You know, work, which is what turned me off when I wanted to go to nursing school the first time when I was a tech, and it was. I'm like, I didn't want to be one of those nurses who were just here and. You can't even, you know, something simple like clean out a chair. Like I walk my patient out and when I come back, you know, with my new, you know, just just little things. It's To me, it's just little things. And so I made sure uh, when I became a nurse that I did those things. You know, if I'm there anyway, you know, looking at the machine or doing what I'm doing. Yeah, I can, you know, let's it's a team. And um, I will say I went the first dialysis unit I worked at, though, and I think that's why it took me so long to recognize my burnout was because the first place I I was there for 12 years and most of us who were there were there 10 plus years together. And it was it was a lot of work, but, 
you know, many hands make light work. So it was a lot of work, but the the core the core of us, probably 10, 12 of us, including the medical director and the and the nurse practitioner, we just were in such alignment, in such alignment with with the with the patients and you know, how the care we wanted to deliver and working all together to get so everybody just had a good day. <laughs> you know, nobody was, you know, left feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired or, you know, I feel like I'm alone on this island. So we were very intentional with that. And I think because that's where that's where I started and that's where the bulk of my um, career was, I did not recognize that burnout when I left there and just how alone I felt being in so many other, once I left, it was, it just was never the same. Like the support wasn't there and, you know, I didn't realize it until it was too late. And that's unfortunate because when you find a good group that are more like family than anything, and you have a good team and you all take care of yourselves and watch out for yourselves, it's so hard when you don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, ter- I was, I probably would have, we had a clinical manager that came and it was funny. She, she came, but she didn't even live here. Like her family was still in Kentucky <laughs> and she just came, I guess, I don't know how that worked out, but yeah, she just came in like a whirlwind and just disrupted literally. I mean, we had been through, of course, you know, 10 years we had been through, you name it, disruptive, you know, facility administrators, disruptive clinical coordinators, all of that. But she was a different breed. Like, like all of us left within six months. I can relate to that because I've had that in my own um, career. And just one person can really create a lot of unnecessary change, really, and dissatisfaction Mm -hmm. in the people doing the work. Yeah, because I like I was still in nursing school and she... I, it was, you know, of course, it was certain days I didn't work because I couldn't. And she would just put me on a schedule for those days. And, and I'm like, like you said, it was just very unnecessary. Like, I don't understand what the problem is. Like, I don't work these days. I don't work these times. So, you know, when I don't come, you mark me as a call out. Like, it was insanity. And it was just, like you said, it was just so unfortunate that. And I felt like the patients lost in the end uh, because it just really... Even now, that clinic is still not as stable because, you know, workplaces aren't that stable nowadays. You know, you just don't come across. I don't care where you work, where, you know, you've had a core group of people that can provide that continuity. You just really don't find it. No, you don't find it. And I think we're losing so many experienced nurses. You can't replace experience with a brand new person. A body is not just a body. Um, Mm -hmm. We need to learn from the people that have the experience. I totally agree with that. And I think nurses are going to start demanding more. I think they deserve to and they need to. I don't think their needs are really known. Oh, now that's that that is a a word right there. And also, I don't think I think management people in management in, in those upper positions, they need to listen for understanding. And a lot of times I feel like they listen to respond back, oh, well, you know, and they try to put the spin on, you know, some other things that they might be doing and put a spin on it, whereas that's not really benefiting us. You know, that's not really benefiting the nurse. It it might be a benefit, but it's not directly impacting us where we need it. So I think, you know, in addition, it's not being heard and because it's I know it's not from lack of being said. <laughs> We're very vocal. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And it's taking it up to that next level and having someone really hear and understand what we need. You can't throw money at everything and expect you're going to get the same result or the good outcome. 
Yeah, you can. You can. And that's what they do a lot. Or they, they throw the money where it doesn't belong or where it's not impacting. They, oh, yeah, let's go get this new software. Or let's go start this new, you know, initiative. I'm like, how, meanwhile, the house is still burning over here. You know, like, you're going to build a whole new house <laughs> and this house is still on fire. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, during this pandemic, we all have worked so hard with a lot of unknowns and stress. And uh, one day we were given some gratitude bags and there was a little bottle of water in there and a tablet of paper with the logo of our hospital on it and maybe a, a, a bar of some sort to eat. And I thought, I haven't seen administrators in the hospital since last March. I want you to walk through where I work, put on scrubs, come through my OR and just recognize the work that we're doing. I don't want your dime store bag of what you thought was going to be gratitude. It it kind of had the opposite effect. Yes, I feel like. I feel like, uh, yeah, the the gratitude, the thankfulness of the last of this last holiday season was lost on um, executives. Yes, (laughs) it was lost. We had a twenty five dollar e card to Staples. I was like, what? And if you went even one cent over, it was asking you for your bank card information, and it was like, yeah, missed the mark on this one. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's. It's so much more than a gift card or a pizza party. And it's not that those things, I know the intention is there, but really come and ask because we'll tell you that's not what we want. No, no. And you hear it all of the time. Well, you know, before pre-COVID when, you know, you would have the in services and they would say, oh, but you're having lunch. And I'm like, I can I bring my own lunch. Like, I, you know, that's not a that's not a big draw for me to, you know, want to spend my free time listening to, you know, people who are giving y'all, you know, uh, bonuses for using said medication or whatever. And I have to spend my free time listening to this, you know. Because at one point, because we started, like I said, we were pretty, we were pretty tight. So we would kind of buck the system. Like you want, you want us to listen to this. It's going to have to be on a time other than our free time. Cause you're not paying me to listen to this. And I don't, so I don't have to sit here and listen to it. Absolutely. And that, that's just right. We need to start saying, now nah, this isn't going to cut it for us. We yeah. need something different or something more. Um, I think nurses give up enough of their free time. Um, and so it's time to recognize that for what we do and when we work above and beyond. But you now also have a podcast. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> I do. So my podcast is called The Kidney Connection. No uh, surprise there. Um, I started out wanting to teach people on dialysis and their families how to stay well. But where my journey took me now is to helping people, helping busy professionals preserve their kidney kidney health. And how I teach that is not necessarily very medical. It's very practical and um, through application. Like how are your everyday habits and routines? You know, how is your stress level? How are you managing situations like burnout and virtual school and (laughs) being, you know, a wife and a mom and and just life. Like, how are you managing that? Because those things are really what 
what uh, your blood pressure, your high blood pressure and your diabetes and your heart disease and all of those things look like. They look like these everyday things that 5, 10, 15 years later turn into diseases. Um, so that's what uh, my focus is on, just helping people live live well and live better now so that they can age well and live more actively later. And that is so important. That's what patients want. They want to hear about things that they can do themselves, have control over their own health care. And that is so important to teach that versus just trying to throw a pill at everything. Um, so I think that is great that you're offering that to people. Yeah, it's so much fun. And, you know, we, we really don't realize um, how toxic our choices are. Sometimes we feel like it's such, just such a good thing to do until you really sit and think about it. Like, this is probably not the right thing. <laughs> this is probably not the right thing to do or the right way uh, to go about doing some things. I know I, I'm still even learning, learning that process now. Like, you know, just really what is um, healthy behaviors? You know, there are just so many things that we're just used to doing and we just accept that. Oh, I've been doing this for forever. So, you know, it doesn't excuse it from being bad for you. And your business doesn't stop with the podcast. You're doing other things. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So in addition to the the podcast and the um, the classes, like I said, for um, time time management, I also help people start and um, launch their podcast because I think it's really important. I don't think it's enough. Not number one. I know. I don't think I know it's not enough women, um, and I know it's not enough nurses um, in this field you know, given their valuable information and advice and, you know, people, you know, such as yourself, like I love we are in the don't eat your young. It's like, hello, like that's very, you know, you, you know what that's about, you know what you're going to get, you know. And it's important for people to hear. I'm, you know, we're in a, a similar nursing group together, and you hear all of these stories. Like, how do I, you know, get more seasoned nurses to stop being mean to me, or you know, to stop bullying me, or you know, to to help? And it's it's really like that can also contribute to burnout and stress, and you know, all these types of things that you know, people don't deserve to go through. And so I think the the more conversations, just like the, the conversations about nurse and burnout, the more conversations and the more we confront these things, um, that's when we can start to impact them. So uh, I just want to um, have a coalition, <laughs> help a coalition of nurses and, and other people, other business professionals too. But uh, I feel like nurses are, we're so outspoken um, at work. And then, you know, but I feel like it shouldn't stop there. I completely agree. We do need to grow this, talk about it more, shine the light on the things that don't work for us. And hopefully at some point, somebody is going to have to listen because I know nurses right now are not interested in being nurses anymore. And that's so sad. It is. It is because I, I, I know for a fact that not everyone can do it. You know, we know because everybody that we start out in school with, we don't finish with, right? You know, it's just, as some people are just not cut out for it. And even when, when you start, um, sometimes it might be, you know, you or like me, like I realize I love nurturing people and I love educating people, but I am not meant to be that bedside, that critical care person. Like, I don't want to take care of you in that stage. I want to take care of you before you even get there. 
Um, and so sometimes you figure out that, you know, your path is a little different than what you sought after. And that's all right, too. You know, sometimes sometimes I, I really wish I would have um, heard people talking about how once you become a nurse, you don't just have to stay a nurse. You know, you get there's so many other nursing avenues. Um, so not that you don't have to, but you don't have to stay. You can really do what you want. You know, you can you don't have that box you can help people and educate people and and teach people and support people and advocate for people in a variety of different ways i see on many different facebook groups and hear from new nurses how long should i really stay in this job if i don't like it well you should leave right now you should start looking for Mm -hmm. a new job if you are in a place that doesn't make you happy it's a toxic work environment you don't feel supported or you don't get along well with other coworkers. It length of time does not matter if it's not working for you. It doesn't. It doesn't. And I think we we often feel though like, oh, I should, you know, stay here for and I felt like that um for a long time. And then when I became like I moved around quite a bit. My, probably like once a year before I came uh to be a case manager because I just decided like I don't I'm not going to stay, you know, where I feel like either I'm being put in situations that are threatening, you know, to my license, like working, you know, outside of the ratios and just having, you know, um, too much going on and not enough support or, you know, I'm, I'm just like, I'm not going to, you know, stay and, and deal with that because I don't want to go home every day. Then I'm, I'm frustrated and your family is bearing, <laughs> you know, bearing the brunt of that once you get off because you're not fun to be around. You don't really want to be around yourself. You just want to be left alone or you're just irritated from your day. And that's just, that's just no way for anyone to live. I agree completely. What tips or advice would you have for nurses out there working right now? I would say first, definitely take an inventory of, um, of how you're feeling at work. You know, it might be some things where it's like, okay, it's some things that you could work on amongst yourself. That's not totally work related. Um, but if it is work related, then I think, you know, you should definitely bring those things up. Um, don't hold them in, you know, don't wait until you blow up <laughs> on your coworker or on a patient. Um, bring it, bring it up. I, I know it doesn't feel like the most popular thing to do because, you know, sometimes it doesn't. You get those managers and you just know, like, you know, this is not going to go go down well. And don't be afraid to take it to the next level. If, if your manager isn't listening, you know, genuinely not listening and, you know, all of those things, don't be afraid to take it higher than them and let them know. I've had to do that too. You know, like, okay, I, I tried and I'm going to move on because, you know, you're, you're just not listening. Um, and we, and we saw our results. So, you know, don't be afraid. I know sometimes, especially now, and it's just tough though, because, you know, you like you want your job, you need your job. Um, but it's honestly just not worth at, at your expense. It's not worth the expense of you. Yes. That's how we can prevent burnout by taking steps before we get there. Yes. Well, I will tell you, I have, I'll tell the audience, I've taken a course from Ebony G and she is the real deal. If you want to learn a lot, not just about podcasting either. I learned a lot about organization and places I didn't even know existed and scheduling apps I didn't know about. And so I would say you are doing amazing and the work that you do and the knowledge that you have, I'm, I'm just in awe of you actually. 
Oh, thank you. It was so it was so uh, nice working with you. Now I was nervous. You were like my first <laughs> my first podcast client. And it was I was worried about oh am I going to know enough? And it really it just flowed. And you were you know you were great and your topic was great and you just made it really easy uh, to get to get the work done. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Anybody looking for help should check out Ebony. And where can we find you, Ebony? My website is www.lwapllc.com. And I'm also on at LWAP Consulting on Instagram. That's really where I'm at. And the same thing at LWAP Consisting on Twitter. Actually, I'm increasing on Twitter because it's, it's fun over there. <laughs> And you can find all of her um, links in our show notes as well. So I really appreciate you coming on today. It's been so great to talk to you and share your story. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for having me. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Ebony G., for being on the show today. Some takeaways from our time with Ebony. Take inventory of how you're doing at work and how you're feeling at home. Make sure that you're taking care of yourself to get the best work-life balance that you can. Don't hold it in. Find someone to talk to. And if you bring it up to your manager and you don't see the results that you need, don't be afraid to take it to the next level. And I want to thank all of you for your time today and listening to the podcast. I hope you found it inspiring. If you'd like more information or to become a member, please visit DonEatYourYoung.com. You can also find an email to reach me if you have a story to share. And you can also join my Facebook group, Don't Eat Your Young. Have a great day. Thank you. You will find the key